Revelation chapter 1. So as I mentioned this morning already, we're in our final week of Advent, and the theme for the fourth week of Advent is peace. Peace is a major theme in Scripture. Um, Most translations have it, that word peace, in in, uh, the Bible roughly 340 to 370 times. That's a lot. It's not something that can be ignored. Um, the word peace in, in the Greek form more than likely comes from the verb to join. To join. To join together. Um, and in that joining, that word uh, wants us to think about quietness and wants us to think about rest. So you think about conflict you've had with a family member or a friend and you can say that you're no longer joined, right, in your relationship. And in in whatever relationship you do have, there is no quietness and there is no rest. It's safe to say when we look through Scripture, we see the theme of peace. Peace is a desire of God. He wants it with His creation. And He is striving for it. And not in the sense that in hopes to attain it, but it is His will that there will be peace on earth. And peace is also something that you and I desire, right? Uh, All people, really, I would say, regardless of religion or affiliation, all people have an inward desire for peace. Um... Nations, kingdoms, governments want peace, rest, quietness between them. Uh, Within our families, we just want peace, right? Then maybe more so than any time in the year, there seems to lack peace within our families during the holidays. But we also desire peace with our co-workers, our neighbors, an internal peace. How much turmoil do we go through within ourselves without even any other party to be uh, against? 
But just within ourselves, we desire peace. God's desire for peace in these same ways, He desires for peace in these same ways, nations, families, neighbors, internal. But they're secondary to the peace that He's striving for. They take a back seat to the peace that He will attain. The most important peace that God is striving for, for us, is peace with Him. But then, on the other hand, we as mankind, men and women, we tend to make His most important peace our secondary peace. We'd much rather have peace with our coworkers, our neighbors and our families, even between nations and governments. And peace with God might not even be in our radar. You might not even know that you are at war with God just by being a man or a woman. And so as we celebrate Advent, we celebrate Christmas, here's what we are truly celebrating. We are celebrating a God who has come to bring you peace. Imagine two enemy forces fighting for one another, fighting against one another. And one of them just drops the weapons and just starts walking towards the enemy line. And... uh, They are coming to offer peace. And the other side just keeps shooting away. But the enemy who wants peace just keeps walking and keeps coming closer and coming closer and coming closer. And at all cost, with the desire of peace between the two sides. This is what God has done in Christ. He has put him on the firing line. And we have not stopped pulling the trigger as mankind, as creation. God is, has come for peace between him and his creature and will finalize it in his second coming. Now, this is what I want us to see in Revelation before we go back to Luke 2. Uh, Revelation 1, verse 4. What I want you to know today is not peace. 
but Christ. To know Christ is to have peace. The only place for peace is in Christ. This is what John says in Revelation verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from, from him. Now who, who is him? Him who is, who was, and is to come. There is no one like that person. No one has ever existed who was, who is, and is to come. Meaning, they are self-sufficient, eternal. That person is God. Peace only comes from God and is found in Christ. Again, the, la- the thing I want you to take away today, I want you to walk out these doors desiring peace through Christ. Now let's look at Luke 2. We're not going to go through every verse. I just want us to pick apart a couple things. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the peace. We're going to look at and see that peace has come to us. Peace has come to us. And then I want us to see the proper response to the news of peace as peace as we see in the shepherds. And then finally, I want us to look at peace while we wait. So peace has come to us. Look at verse 8 through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, to not be afraid is, is peace. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God's work towards peace comes to us through Jesus, the very obvious. We all know this today as we sit here. And how has He come to us? He's come to us as Jesus of Nazareth, born of a virgin. He comes to us through a divine, miraculous way. And how can He be found? Verse 12, And He will be, and this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And lying in a manger. He comes as a baby. Swaddled. In a manger. As John says in his gospel. 
The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh. And like, okay, the angels hear this good news, right? It starts, uh, fear not. Uh, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day. A Savior is born. See, that those things don't add up. God sent Christ, the Son of God, to live a life that we live. To go through the trials that we go. To be tested as we are tested. And it began with Him being born. He has humbled himself. He has left the glories of heaven and has become a baby. In order to bring the peace of God to you and I. Verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. See, they got they've got an understanding that the angels or that the shepherds don't quite get yet. They know what's been what's been planned. They know what's taking place. They know that the glory of God is about to shine the brightest it ever has. And it is gonna be laying in a manger. They know the humility, the mercy, the love that is happening in this moment. The thousands of years of waiting for deliverance. For he will save his people from their sins. And so the angels sing glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. There it is. And on earth, peace. And you may be asking yourself and, or thinking, I see no peace on earth. What's up with this peace? And you're quite right. But it's only because you're so wrong. It's because you're looking for the wrong, the wrong thing. So what peace does Jesus, this baby, bring? I can't do a sermon on peace without looking at Romans 5. And it, it feels... I tried to get away from it all week. Romans 5, turn with me. Romans 5, beginning in verse 1. What peace are these angels talking about? Because there is no peace on earth the way that we think and the way that we see. Some of you don't have peace within your own families or with your neighbors. We all know that there's no peace 
in this world, some of us have uh, who've been in the military, who understand the battles, the warfare. There's no peace on earth the way that we desire or see it. So what peace? If these angels are so happy, what peace are they talking about? Well, Romans 5, there's really, really no other place to, to, to find it. It doesn't, it doesn't do a better job than this chapter. Verse 1 of Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. Not your brother. Not your spouse. Not your neighbor. Not another country. Not your co-worker. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there it is. This baby has come so that we might have peace with God. But you're still not quite sure what that means. We'll look at verse 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person would, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, what does that mean? What does it matter if, if Christ died for sinners? Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, the blood of the baby in the manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, his blood. We've been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. You're at war with God outside of Christ. And he's got an atomic bomb. And we stand no chance. You stand no chance outside of Christ with God. His wrath is real. And unavoidable. His anger with you and your sin is real and unavoidable. You are an enemy of God outside of Christ. You need a peacemaker. You need a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And as he's lying in the manger, he is holding the universe together. You need God to have peace with God. 
For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Now you remember I said the Greek word in peace more than likely comes from the verb to join, to set one together. That's what that word reconcile means. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, we were put at peace with God by the death of His Son. Now, just think about it. You're His enemy. And He kills His Son for you. In order to have peace with his enemy, he kills his son. He kills the word who in the beginning was with God, who was God. This is why the angels were shouting and jumping for joy singing glory to God in the highest. And the angels don't get it to the fullest extent because they don't know God in this way. But they get to see the grace of God and His love as He searches out, as He makes moves so that God's creation may have peace with Him. They don't get that opportunity. If they fall, they fall for eternity. If the angels who do not get to taste the grace and saving love of God can shout and sing glory to God in the highest, what should we be doing who have experienced it? Uh, back back to Luke and actually as you're turning to Luke, let me just read Colossians. If hell, you can turn to Colossians. Sorry, chapter one. We read this in Sunday school class, and I want to read it again. Colossians one verse fifteen. Again, I want you to know the person of Christ, not His peace. I want you to know Him, because if you know Him, you know His peace. If you trust in Him, you have His peace. He, in 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We're not talking about just a regular person. He is the image of the invisible God. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, He created them. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. Your life holds together right now in Christ because of Christ. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything He might be preeminent, that He might be first. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's who He is. Now verse 20 says this is what He's done. And through Him 
Keep in mind how great he is through him to reconcile or to, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace is what he's doing by the blood of his cross. Him who is the invisible image of God, the firstborn of all creation, hung on a cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body. He has made peace. He has set you uh, together with God by, the, by his body of flesh, by his death. This is the joy, this is the peace the angels sing of in Luke 2. Now, the proper response to this news of peace. Look at verse 15. The proper response to this news of peace. Let me tell you something. It's not... It's not joining a church. It's not getting baptized. It's not praying a prayer. It's not what it is. Look what the shepherds did. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they went with haste. Let us go. Let us see. Let us go now. And they go to see what the Lord has made known to them. Some of you have delayed. Some of you are delaying. But what are you waiting for? Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do not delay. Run to Christ. See him. Not with your eyes, but with faith. Believing in him. Trusting in him. And do it every day of your life. Run to Christ. Run to him. Do not look back. Do not turn aside. He is your hope your joy, your peace.
Go to him and find forgiveness for your sin. And you become not an enemy, but a friend. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Your next hour isn't sure. But one thing I am sure about. To die without Christ is to die as an enemy of God. To die without Christ is to die an eternal prisoner of war, condemned before God with no peace. But when you turn to Christ in faith, repenting of your sins, and be saved by Him from His wrath, you will find peace. Peace with God. Now, I want to finish by saying this. Because we're waiting for that final peace. When He comes and there will be no more pain, no more sin, no more tears. We have to wait for that. But we can wait for that in peace. Uh, Because making peace with God does not automatically bring peace in this life. As we've already mentioned. Um... There was a song that kids were going to sing, but we didn't know it well enough. And Sylvia looked into the history of it this week. Uh, It's called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Open up your hymnal to 249. Don't worry, we're not singing, so we can all open it. 249. Peace while we wait. Remember, peace while we wait. Verse 1, let's read it. I'll read it out loud. 249. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, the old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Uh, Henry Longfellow wrote that song as he probably sat in a tent uh, in the middle of a war zone while his son, who had just been shot, I don't know if he was dying or not, but he sat there with his other son as they watched a member of their family suffering because of war. It was also the anniversary of the death of his wife. Oh, that was Christmas Day he wrote that while he sat there with his son. It was also the death of his wife, the anniversary. This is hard to believe, uh, but she was writing Christmas cards by candlelight. And a fire started and she burned to death on Christmas Day. 
He tried to put her out and burned him severely. And then some time later, this happened to his son. While he was sitting there, he wrote this song on Christmas Day. Now look, it doesn't sound like a peaceful life, does it? The angels are singing about this peace. But we're living and we know that there is more to desire on this earth. Even when we have peace with God. Look what he says in verse 2 and 3. So he's sitting there and he hears the Christmas bells. And they're reminding him of the song of the the promise of peace on earth, goodwill to men. In verse 2 he says, I thought how as the day had come, the belfries, those are the bell towers, the belfries of all Christendom have rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So he's thinking the song has continued to play Christmas after Christmas. Verse 3, And in despair... I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth. I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And there's two verses that are left out of our hymnal uh, that really give us an understanding of the war and turmoil that was going on around him. And he was hungry for peace. But in verse 4, he reminds us that we don't look for peace on this earth, but we look for it in Christ. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. So this is a a summation of Advent, that last verse. We who have found peace with God, we live in a world that is not peaceful But we know the God of peace. And one day, the lion will sit with the lamb. The deer will graze in the field with the bear. That's peace. And so, this song wants me to to be reminded and I want you to be reminded is that we don't desire peace but we desire the God of peace. And so just a couple things I want you to consider. Philippians chapter 4 tells us how we can wait for our peace. 
our eternal peace as we live in this world. Philippians 4, verse 4. So you want to know how to deal with this life as we wait our full peace with God on this earth. How do we deal with this unpeaceful world? How do we deal with our anxieties? How do we deal with our cares? How do we deal with our problems? How do we deal with our enemies? How do we deal with our relationships? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So that's simply, here's what that says. Tell God your problems. You don't walk out this door with a 200-pound weight on your back. And I know this because I live there. You're going to walk around carrying it because of your pride. And your pride hinders peace. You understand me? Your pride will hinder your peace because you'll keep carrying that burden until it breaks you. Be reasonable, he says. Let your request be made known to God. Look at the result. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I want you to hear me now. I, you might be hearing me and saying, well, that doesn't work. The point is, is it's, you can't understand the peace of God. It's divine. Right? It's not a math equation. It's not something you can think out logically. But when you give your cares to Him without comprehension, the peace of God will come upon you. A peace which surpasses understanding and it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We won't go there, but 1 Peter 5 says, cast your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Cast your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And the rest of that section says, because what you're doing is you're fighting against the, the roaring lion, Satan, who's seeking to devour you, who's trying to bring turmoil and warfare within your life, when you get to that point, cast your anxieties on God because He cares for you. Unload your burdens on Him because you trust Him. And back in Philippians 8, might be my favorite 
thing to consider when we think of peace, and I've already really mentioned it, but verse 8, Philippians 4, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We don't have peace these days because do you know the things that we think about, we consider, and we long for? None of it is pure, honorable, excellent, lovely, commendable. What ultimately, answer this for me, what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, and what is excellent? It's Christ. Right? He is these things. So think on Him. Meditate on Him. Seek Him. Seek His Word. What does He say? What you have learned and received and heard and seen in Me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Seek Christ. Seek His Word. Seek His promises. Seek His commands. Fight for them. Hold on to them. Treasure them. And the God of peace, not just His peace, but the God of peace will be with you. Remember what God told Joshua. Fear not. Take courage. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Meditate on the word of God night and day. Fear will go away. Courage will increase. Peace will come upon you. He who testifies to these things says, here's Jesus' words. Surely, surely, I am coming soon. And John and we all say, Amen. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Keep that in mind as we live in a world that is not peaceful, that He promises that He will come. He will come soon. Even so come. Do not delay. Don't hesitate. But in haste, run to Christ today. Don't die an enemy of God. Be his friend. No greater love than this than a friend lay down his life. Come to him.